Well, I got a limited amount of space to jump around today, so I'll probably end up on these steps by the end of this. Um, man, you guys know uh, that next Sunday is the first Sunday of the year? How many of you realize that? It's the first Sunday of the church calendar year. So next Sunday, we begin Advent. A lot of people don't know this, but we actually begin what we call the Advent season. We have what we call a liturgical calendar, and it actually follows the, the, the year of Jesus and his life. Now, if you're a Baptist, Church of God, you did not grow up talking about that probably, but if you're a Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, you probably heard of the church calendar. If you don't know what the church calendar is, you're probably more familiar than you think you are because we go through the seasons like uh, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, uh, Pentecost, uh, we, have, we have Lent, we have Easter, and then Pentecost. So you're probably more familiar with it than you think you are. So if next Sunday is the first Sunday of the year, that means this Sunday is what? It's the last Sunday of the year, right? This is the last Sunday of the liturgical calendar. And uh, I was doing a little research, and historically on the last Sunday of the, of the liturgical year, we celebrate what we call Christ the King Sunday. Now, anybody heard of this? Christ the King Sunday. Does anybody know that this is like, like this is not something that I've preached on in the past, but we actually, it's a, it's a Catholic, it really came from the Catholics, and we're Protestant for a reason. We protested, Protestant, the Catholic Church. But there are some good things that we pick up, I think, and it's interesting to really study about why we celebrate Christ the King on the last Sunday of the year. It's kind of like New Year's when everybody shoots off fireworks and has all these traditions. We celebrate that Jesus Christ is King because he reigns, he's supreme, he has all dominion, he has full power, he came to conquer every single thing on the universe, and we go out with a bang on the last Sunday of the year remembering that he is King. Amen? Does that make sense? I mean, that's the reason we do this. So, Today, I'm going to jump into this idea of Jesus as king, and I, and I want you to think about, as we go through this, understanding that he's not just a king, but he is king of kings. You follow me? Like, he is king of kings and lord of lords. Like, everybody will answer to Jesus. He is the supreme God. I mean, there's nobody that even matches Jesus. Sometimes we think Jesus, like, has this, like, it's kind of democratic where we all have a vote in what happens. But no, Jesus is the one who decides what happens in the end. Jesus is the one who will return. Jesus is the one who is in control. Are y'all with me? All right, just making sure. Y'all get more excited about the kids than y'all do my sermon. That kind of irritates me, but that's all right. That's all right. But you got to think about it. The Lord's in charge. He's on the throne, not one of us. You put one of us in charge, we are going to radically screw it all up. You might think you want to be in charge, but you don't want to be in charge of the universe. You might try to be in charge. You might have every single angel in heaven at your discretion, but you'd never be wise enough, smart enough, or have the supreme authority in order to do what needed to be done in the earth. Only Jesus can do that. So here we go. Jesus' kingship. We're going to start with this. First thing, the kingship of Jesus was prophesied. It's really important for you to understand if we go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the kingship of Jesus was prophesied. In fact, if you remember the story of David who became king, he had with God what they called a Davidic covenant. And God made a covenant with King David that out of his lineage would come a Messiah. He told King David out of his lineage would come a king who would rule over all the earth. And so all the people were looking for a king to come from the line and the blood of David. In 2 Samuel 7, 16, God told David, he said, your house and your kingdom 
will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This was the Davidic covenant. And so throughout the Old Testament, there were different prophets who spoke about the coming of the king. They were like, a king is coming. They would prophesy. They would speak to the people and say, look for a king. He's going to return. God made a promise to David. He's going to return and take you, and he's going to conquer, he's going to conquer the land. He's going to conquer the world. He's going to conquer evil. And so people were looking for this king. Perhaps the most notorious prophetic voice that you've probably heard of is Zechariah. And we talk about him a lot of times at Christmas because he had probably the clearest prophetic voice about the coming of the king. Zechariah 9.9. Stick with me. Listen. Zechariah, who actually, he had eight different visions in the book of Zechariah, but, but he spoke about the restoration of Jerusalem and God's return to redeem his people through a king. Now listen. Zechariah 9.9. says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious. Now listen, lowly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, Zachariah said that way before Jesus came, but do you remember what Jesus did when he came? What did he ride on? Was it a camel? Was it a horse? It was a donkey. Remember when he came into Jerusalem and he was riding on a young colt and he told the disciples to go and get it and it'd be there for you. And so they went and they got it and they brought it to Jesus. And Jesus is riding in Jerusalem on the donkey and everybody begins to worship him. You know why they were worshiping him? Because they felt like he was the fulfillment of the prophetic voice of Zechariah. And he was the king who they said would come and the Messiah had finally shown up and all the prophecy was coming true that the king was coming to Jerusalem. Does that make sense? The problem is the king wasn't anything like they expected. They thought that he was going to wage war and kick some tail. And Jesus will do that, but he didn't do it then. He died a violent death on the cross. But they saw it as fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. So Jesus had all the power in the universe, but he didn't display it in the way that they thought he would. In fact, he became a servant. But he was a king. He wasn't just a king. He was the king of kings. So next, the king is born. Okay, now, when Jesus is born, we all know that some really weird things took place, some things that had never happened in the history of the universe. An angel named Gabriel came to this young girl named Mary, and she was a virgin, and the angel told her, first of all, by immaculate conception, by the Holy Spirit, uh, you will have a child. And, and not only will you have that child, but the child will be the savior of the world. Essentially, he will be the king of the world. Luke 1, 29 through 33, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, listen to the story here. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Now listen, he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God, listen, will give him the throne of his father David. Once again, the fulfillment of, of, of prophecy. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. Listen, his kingdom will never end. 
right? So here it is once again. Gabriel's speaking. They're going, all right, here's this prophetic voice. The angel's coming. It's all coming to fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus' kingdom will never end. That's what Mary tells him. Now, listen, did Jesus claim to be king? Of course he did. It's what got him killed. He claimed to be the Messiah. That's what got him hung on a cross is they said he was blasphemous, but he claimed to be king. John 18, 36, listen to this. Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. And Jesus, once again, is alluding that he is king, his kingdom. In Luke, Luke 23, 3, Pilate asked him directly. Pilate said to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And I love this line. Jesus just goes, you've said so. In other words, you know that I'm king. And then the king, the next point, is the king is crucified. Now, this just blows my mind when you really think about this, is that Jesus, king of the universe, was actually hung on a cross and he actually died. I mean, you think about that he is king of kings and lord of lords. All these things we're saying. He came to earth in the form of a baby, immaculate conception. He, 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 he lived a, a, a perfect life, a sinless life, and yet we killed him. We slaughtered him on a cross we, we mocked him, we spit upon him, we, 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 they stabbed him in the side with a spear after he was dead. They, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. If you listen to the scripture to remember what they did, they mocked him as king. They made fun of him saying that he was king. He was the king and yet they made fun of him. They mocked him. Can you imagine that they mocked him? Our King Jesus. They mocked and he allowed it to happen. Matthew 27, 28 through 31. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Remember, that's like a sign of honor. It's a mockery. They, they made him naked and then put the robe on him. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns. Listen to this. They took a crown of thorns instead of, instead of a gold crown or whatever. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They were mocking him. And they set it on his head and they put a staff in his right hand. In other words, they're mocking him. After they've beaten him, they're doing this. And they knelt in front of him and mocked him. And they said, Hell, King of the Jews. And then they spit on him, and they took the staff, and they struck him on the head again and again. And after they mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to crucify him. Y'all get that? Like, you understand what's happening right here? It's like, he's the fulfillment of prophecy. He's the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant and all the prophecies, the 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that have happened. And he comes into the universe, and they come, and he, he lives a perfect, sinless life. And then they spit upon him and beat him and mock him and make fun of him. Like, if you don't think I'm going to get a little bit excited and passionate about that, you're crazy because that's our God and our King and our Lord. And they beat him to a pulp and then took his clothes off of him and dressed him up like a king and made fun of him. And he's the daggum King of kings and Lord of lords. And at any minute, he can call down a thousand angels and just radically destroy all those people. And he doesn't do it. I mean... They had no idea what they were doing or who they were messing with. John 19, 20 through 22, 
It says many of the Jews read this sign because they put a sign over his head that said, King of the Jews. It says many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written, listen, in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. And the chief priest of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. In other words, they're say, he's saying they're, he, he's, a, he's a fake, he's a phony. And Pilate answered him, he said, what I've written, I've written. In other words, I think Pilate knew that he was king of the Jews. I think Pilate had a guilty conscience. I think he tried to wash his hands clean of it, but he couldn't do it. And he just goes, man, what's been written is written. He was king of the Jews. The sign was right, and they could mock him and beat him and spit upon him, but it wasn't going to change the truth, just like we can't change the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus is who Jesus says he is, regardless of what you think he is. He is King Jesus. Regardless of whether the world thinks he is king or not, Jesus Christ is king. Y'all with me? I mean, come on now. I hope you think he's king. You're in the wrong place if you don't think he's king. He's King Jesus. He is King Jesus. The grave didn't hold him down. My next point, the king is alive. The grave could not hold him down. If you don't think he's king, you should have seen him come back from the grave. You should have seen him come back from the grave. If they didn't believe that he was king before his death, they would certainly believe it when he rose from the grave and he appeared to them. There was no question that Jesus was dead. No question. When you beat a man to a pulp like that and put a crown of thorns on his head and stab him and, and, and all that stuff, and he's just hanging there and you take his body off and, and you wrap it and you embalm it and you put it in the grave, there's no question that he's dead. They waited three days. And on the third day, he rose again. Now, that's my king, a king that not even the grave can hold down. Not even the grave can hold down. Forty days he appeared to them, scared the daylights out of a lot of them. He just showed up. They think he's a ghost. He's like, I'm not a ghost. It's me. Put your hand here. He was Jesus. He was king. He was alive. Which brings us to the king now reigns. The king now reigns. He's sitting at the right hand of his father. He is in heaven with God. Mark 16, 19 says, After the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. We say it every week in the Apostles' Creed. We say, sitting at the right hand of the Father Almighty, and then from thence he shall come to do what? To judge the quick and the dead. Man, he's on his throne, he's alive, and he's a judge. He's sitting beside his father. You think about that, that Jesus is in heaven, and he's coming back to take us to be where he is. That's the good news, is Jesus is going to set every wrong right. He's going to make every crooked path straight. He's going to come back. He's going to deal with Satan and his demons. Matthew 24, 30 says, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In other words, it says we will mourn. I mean, it's going to be a scary day. And what will happen when that day comes? 
The entire world will see Jesus sitting on his throne. Matthew 25, 31 through 34 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, think about this, all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he'll separate the people one from the other as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Woo! Jesus will return. There'll be a judgment. God will be the judge. And when he returns, the scriptures say, Revelation 19, 16. Listen to this. Listen to this. Don't miss this one. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Y'all hear that? I'll read it again. Revelation 19, 16. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, some people say that's justification to get a tattoo because Jesus got a tattoo. Y'all probably heard me talk about that, heard me talk about that before, but... But, um, but, but some people say that, that nobles, what they would do is that they would actually have their names uh, woven into the fabric of, of their clothes, clothing. And, and so it doesn't really matter. Uh, if you want to find out, just show up on the day Jesus comes. And we'll all find out that something on Jesus, whether it's his thigh, whether it's his robe, whatever it is, is going to say, King of kings and Lord of lords. Man, Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. Hallelujah. Man, that's some good news right there. Hallelujah. Every tongue will confess and every, every, every knee shall bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. Man, I want to make sure y'all don't miss that today. Make sure you don't miss that Jesus is king. Have you got that from the sermon? I know it's quick, but you got your kids singing, so I have to make it quick. But you got it. Jesus is king, man. You got to get that. You got to say hallelujah to that. He's who he said he was. He is on his throne. He's at the right hand of the Father. That's, I said, I got to get up here. I said, I was going to get up here. He's on the right hand of the Father. I mean, he is beside the Father. He is the judge. He is the good king. He is the good shepherd. He died for you. Do y'all understand that? I mean, I got to make sure you get it. I, saw, I don't know why I stay up here all the time. I got to make sure you Y'all understand this, that Jesus Christ is king. Y'all understand that on this side of the church? Y'all understand that, that Jesus is king, man? I got to make sure. Y'all understand that Jesus is Lord here in the middle because sometimes y'all don't talk. I want to know on this side that people believe that Jesus Christ is king. Now, the colonnade people are the quietest one in the church. Y'all know that Jesus Christ is king. Y'all understand up there in the colonnade. You go up there and hide and don't want anybody to see you. But man, he's king. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. And sometimes we forget and act like that he is not. We're so down and depressed and out. But we've got to encourage one another to remember that he is coming back. It's the same sermon every week, but I want to keep preaching it until he comes. Because that's what he tells us to do. Jesus Christ reigns. And if you don't leave with anything else today, you need to know that he is king and he is Lord of lords. And he has, he has got everything under his dominion and under his authority. And when the stuff hits the fan this week, I want you to think back to this moment and remember that he is king. And you stand with people in here who believe that he is king. That is why we come to church to remind each other of the good news. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, if you will, get up off your Methodist tails and clap and cheer for Jesus with me this morning. Would you just give him a round of applause for who he is? He is a good God. Hey, next year, or next, yeah, next year, starting next year, it'll be the, it, next week will be the beginning of the new year. We're going to come in here and everybody's going to be talking about the baby Jesus and how cute he is and all this stuff. And what I want you to know today is that you are leaving on a high note as we end this year. These are our fireworks that Jesus Christ is king, that we praise him, we believe in him, we trust who he is, we trust he's going to do great things, we trust he will not let us down, we trust that he is king of kings and lord of lords. Amen.
Amen. Y'all can play some music. I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. So I think I did it. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you were good and that you were God, and we thank you for the good news of the scriptures. Lord Jesus, just build us up and remind us that you are who you say you are. We thank you that you came to earth. We thank you that you died for us. We thank you that on the third day you rose again. We thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we end this liturgical year, man, we remember that you are King Jesus. We don't doubt it. We proclaim it, and we own it, and we trust in it. I ask you today to fill those who are suffering, um, who are hurting, who are down, who are depressed, and who walked in these doors. I pray, Lord, that they can come receive prayer, set their burdens down at the foot of the altar, and remember that you are King Jesus. We love you, and we praise you. In your holy and precious name, we pray. Amen.